So welcome to the show. I'm David Speed. I'm Adam Brazier. And this is Creative Rebels. Uh, it's a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. We started our first company, Graffiti Life, in a small garage. Yeah, it wasn't easy. But we built the company up to the stage where now we're regularly working with brands like Disney and Nike. And we've been lucky enough to make art all over the world. On this podcast, we interview successful creators. Their advice will enable you to take action and turn your passion into a career. There's literally been no better time in history to make a career from being creative. So many people are going to tell you that you can't do it, but we're here to tell you that you definitely can. Right, let's do a podcast. Welcome to episode three of the Creative Rebels podcast. Today we're talking to Adrian London. Adrian's a blogger, a speaker, a personal trainer, and an Adidas brand ambassador. Her podcast, The Power Hour, was top five podcast within 12 hours of launch. Adrian's amazing. She's a happy and positive person. And from the outside, you would think that opportunities just seem to find her. But after listening to this episode, I think you'll realize that that's because she's so focused and hardworking. In this episode, we discuss the importance of an audience, mastering happiness, and the power of networking. You don't, like I said, have to be the loudest in the room, but you have to be in the room, you know? Super happy to be joined by Adrian London today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me. It seems like you're super, super, super busy at the moment. Lots of different fingers in different pies. What are you most excited about that you're working on at the moment? Oh, what am I most excited about? A couple of things. So yeah, you're right. I've been busy. I've been busy. Um, I'm super excited about running a load of races this year. So I've got six races in the calendar. So I'm taking on um, some different half marathons and some speedy 10Ks in five different cities. So yeah, so I'm training for that. And then I'm also really excited about my Power Hour podcast. So recently launched and that is, yeah, my new show. What else? What else? What and else? so the Power Hour podcast, let's give a, a little bit of a background to mm-hmm. what is the Power Hour podcast and why did it start? Okay. So I have probably been listening to podcasts for intensely, I'd say about 18 months. And when I was training for the London Marathon, I was listening to them, you know, for hours every week, super deep dives into, into some shows that I loved. And the kind of shows that I was listening to and that I'm interested in were kind of self-improvement, self-development. They were talking about career, you know, art of negotiation, how to get more money, how to start your own hustle, all of this stuff. And I was like, this is great. I'm learning loads. But all of the shows were being hosted by men, um, all white men. Many of them were American. And I just thought, you know what, like women have a lot to say on these things as well. Women want to have conversations about, you know, personal development, self-improvement, success, all of these things. And it's not to say the show is just for women. It's definitely not. It's for women and men. But I just thought, you know what, I could do this. I could interview, um, you know, inspiring people. And I meet so many inspiring people with what I do with my work. So I thought if I can have some of these conversations that I have and actually record them and share them, then hopefully that would encourage others, motivate people, inspire people. Because I think when you hear someone else's journey, you hear someone else's story, like, you know, we always see the the kind of finished article. We see the like overnight success, but I really wanted to kind of go back and be like, guys, you know, whoever the guest is, how did you get that book deal? How did you get your agent? How did you secure that job? You know, what was the hustle that you had to do or, or even like, you know, how, what, what did you do at uni? Like literally the whole journey. And then like, what things have you overcome? And I guess with the whole, the reason it's called the power hour is because at the same time, as I was training for the marathon, I was starting to get up early in the morning and 
I mean, I don't know. I've got a young son, so I wasn't sleeping in late, but I wasn't getting up super early. And I suddenly was like, okay, if I'm going to train and do all these things, I'm getting busy. I need more time in the day. So the only way I could do that was to carve out space in the morning before my son woke up. So I started getting up at 5.45, 5.30, doing my training. And then on the days when I wasn't running, I was still getting up. So I was still getting up at 5.30 and thinking, oh, this is great. Like there's no distractions. There's nobody WhatsApping me. There's nobody emailing me. No one needs me. It's like 5.30, I can do what I want to do. So that's when I started my whole, my morning power hour. I started talking about it online, started sharing it on Instagram where people always like, why are you always up at half five? What are you doing? And I was just like, guys, this is changing my life. Like literally I've got more energy. I'm in a better mood. I have, I get so much done before the day starts. I was like, this is the thing. So then started looking into like, like the science behind it and like why early, like in Historically, you know, there's some really incredible world leaders and, you know, innovators, thinkers, all these people who kind of accredited some of their success to their morning routine and getting up early. Some of them like crazy, like 3.34, like every day, people like Steve Jobs and yeah, they all had yeah. these morning routines. And I was like, okay, I'm onto something. It's not just me. I'm not saying that I'm, you know, in the category with Steve Jobs, <laughs> but there's people like, you know, I was thinking Oprah is not just getting up in the morning, laying in bed, scrolling through Instagram. Mm-hmm. It ain't happening. She yeah. has got a plan, you know? So I was like, right. So I was looking at, yeah, why people get up early, the habits behind it, how we can kind of reform these habits, how we can reframe our mind to be like, you know, it's not this dreaded thing of oh getting up early is awful but actually getting up early can be like a game changer it can be you know it can be exciting it can be powerful so that in the long-winded way is how the power hour was born and yeah the show so far is going really well I say so yeah I've been down the same black hole as you um with the with the getting up early in the morning so yeah. um and what what time do you go to bed I try to be in bed before 10. Yeah, same. Yeah? Yeah, same. So I go off screens at nine. Yep. Um, and yeah, and do all of the like, like as little light in the house as I can as possible without yep. pissing my girlfriend off too much. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's been like, it's been l- literally life-changing yep. and it's so crazy. And I think you said when, what you were saying about looking at the kind of habits of really successful people, like just because we're not a Steve Jobs, like take what they do and apply it to yourself. Like, why not? Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Why not? So what time do you get up? Uh, get up at six. Get up at six. Yeah. Cool. yeah. I've, I've started in the same as well. I watched a video on YouTube the other week and it was really interesting. It talks about kind of getting up that bit earlier and kind of 10, 11, 12 PM normally sat watching Netflix, watching TV. You know, we don't care what's on. At that time, it's like, it's just rubbish. So just take those two hours out of that evening and just move them to the start of your day. And then you've got two hours that are actually more productive. No one else is awake. You're on your own. You can kind of just focus and do stuff. It just makes so much more sense. And it's like, it's not, it seems hard when you say something like, oh, get up at like six. And they're like, or like half five. And they're like, oh, how'd you do it? And it's like, well, people in two hours different time zone do it every single day. And it's just change your mental time zone. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, that thing of like, we all have 24 hours in a day and it's like, it's like how you use your, your 20 or 24 hours. Um, I find I'm so much more productive if I'm going to bed early. Yeah. It's like when I was in New York last, I woke up at 4am and I was like, Oh, um, what am I going to do now? Like no one else can be awake for five hours. So just kind of sat there on laptop, made a font, did some graphic designs. And like, by the time my brother woke up like five hours later, he was asked what you've been up to this morning. I was like, wow. And he just told me, he was like, how, how have you done it? Had a full work day. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, obviously I'm still learning how to interview people. Um, and what I probably should have led with is what do you do? Like, what's your, cause you do so many things. So mm. what's your, like, what's your 
role? What do What's you do? What's my thing? Yeah. So, yeah, I do do lots of things. I think we all do now. I think we're all, you know, multifaceted. We can wear different hats on different days. But in a nutshell, I work in the fitness industry as a personal trainer. I'm a runner. And I also do inspirational talks. So I've done my first international talk last year. I did a um, TEDx talk in Berlin. So I do that. I coach clients one-to-one. Uh, and then, yeah, I guess I use social media to encourage and inspire. So I use, I write a blog, I use YouTube, Instagram, you know, just kind of sharing my journey, what I'm doing, my ideas, just putting it out to the world and kind of, yeah, I guess I'm um, hoping to encourage. I feel like I, in a nutshell, I'd say I'm a professional encourager. Oh, that's that is what I do. That's <laughs> like that. How long have you been using the internet mm. as kind of the means to spread your message? Probably for about, how old is it, four years? Yeah. So quite a long time. I mean, yeah, I think it's quite a long time. I guess initially it was probably, I was just sharing stuff and I don't know, it wasn't like a job or anything. You know, I wasn't making money from it. I wasn't kind of looking at, I don't know, strategic posting schedules. I was just, you know, taking my son to the library and posting. But, but you are making money from it now, right? Yeah, now yeah. it's like my, yeah, now it's like, I'd say probably 70% of my revenue stream comes from online content, brand partnerships. I'm a global Adidas ambassador. So I work um, exclusively with them on all sports apparel and fitness content. So yeah, for sure. Okay, and you've worked with like Tresemme, like yeah, yeah, Tresemme, Fit the app, Fit the app, um, done campaigns with L'Oreal, like different brands, yeah. So essentially, that is now how I, um, yeah, guess make money, make a living, um, and that I guess guess gives me the the freedom and the free time to be able to do things like the show, like the podcast, which isn't something that I monetize, but it's something that is a passion project. I wanted to have a platform, have a space to, as I said, encourage others, interview um, other inspiring people who might not have a platform of their own. I think that four years um, seems to be like quite a magic number because um, Chidera in her interview with you, she was saying it was four years before she started to gain that traction. And I think think the people who just keep going are the ones that the results really start to come. I think four years is a long time, but if you can stick it out, like just constantly... Mm grinding away and putting the content out. Yeah. I think for us, like three to four years, definitely yeah. start to see some kind of thing. It'd be interesting to look at how much content you produce over that period of time and work out well, how many pieces of content do I need to get to, to get to that number. See, Adam mm. has to do everything like a math <laughs> Okay. Okay. I like that. Like the, like the Malcolm Gladwell, hundred thousand hours kind of yeah. thing. So it's like, yeah, how many did you do? I think, yeah, I think what you said about, you know, can, you know, keep putting it in, keep grinding. The consistency I definitely think is key. And often I guess people kind of start something or they try it out. And if they don't get, you know, the kind of immediate response, if they don't yeah. get the instant gratification, it's like, cause I remember like my YouTube audience is small. So when I put YouTube videos out, sometimes people are like, Oh, it's really weird. Like you don't have that many subscribers. You don't have that many views. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't care. But then they're like, Oh, but what's the point? That's what someone says to me. Like, what's the point? Unless you're going to, and it's kind of that thing of chicken and eggs. So if you're like, what's the point in putting YouTube videos? out because you don't have 50,000 subscribers, then you're never going to get 50,000 subscribers. And I think essentially if you go back yeah, four years to my blog posts, I don't know if anyone was reading them, like probably three people, including my sister, you know, it's like, yeah. you can't think, well, when I have a big audience, then I'll share some content. It doesn't work like that. And I think as well, if that's what you're going after, then I don't know. It's just like, you've got to have a reason. You've got to have something that you want to talk about, something that genuinely you are so inspired by, or you're so, I don't know, 
know, knowledgeable as well. If you have knowledge on, on a topic, a specific niche thing that other people don't, that knowledge is val- valuable. So share it um, regardless of how many subscribers you currently have. Yeah. I think we, we attach so much to that number. And at the end of the day, it's a, it's a vanity metric. You now need no more extra followers from now on because the current number that you're at is allowing you to support yourself and make your living. So it's like whatever comes from now is nice, but it's like people are looking for those, those milestone Mm. numbers. But if you're at a number that's kind of enough to support you, then why, why do you need any more? It's the same as the millionaires who have a million and then need another million, another million. And it's like, at what point are you happy? It's just, you're just going to keep chasing your tail. Whereas you're doing it for a really like, genuine reason mm. that the reason is you want to make this content and you're making it for the people that are following you rather than chasing the people who aren't yet following yeah, you. Yeah, that's a good point actually. And you're right because I don't have a huge audience, but I feel like, you know, as you said, it's not for me like trying to get, as you said, like more followers, more subscribers, all of that, because I don't know, I think it's maybe changed. Don't get me wrong. Having an audience definitely opens doors for you. It gives you new opportunities. It gets you in the room to meet people. And yeah, I do think that, you know, I'd be lying if I, you know, that's like I said, how I make a living and I wouldn't if I didn't have an audience. But I, I think you're completely right with the fact that gone are the days of like, you know, whoever has the most followers, that's what it's all about because it's not. I think now people are, you know, the brands that I work with anyway, I think they're looking for people who have, I guess, something else in addition to their social media. So it's like, yes, they have this audience, but what are they doing offline? What are they doing in real life? You know, are they... I don't know, writing a book. Are they coming to lead a talk? Are they coming to lead a workout? Are they coming to do a cookery demo? Are they, what are they doing other than online? Um, so yeah, that's kind of in my experience this year, last year anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for us two, as, um, two white men, yeah. um, <laughs> we, like we, we had like, that was one of the things that we were thinking about with, with our content, white guys talking about stuff. Mm. Um, and we were kind of like quite conscious of that most of the guests that the people that we've found interesting most guests on our show so far have been female really, been really interesting yeah interesting. it just seems at the moment that power may like the move makers all seem to be female i don't i don't know if that's something you've noticed that there's just kind of a trend for people just deciding like uh, i've got a voice and it's time mm. for me to to be heard yeah maybe i think it's definitely been you know, a media, maybe, you know, media drives so much, doesn't it, in terms of our culture. And I think media is definitely, yeah, put the spotlight on women. You know, there's been a lot of, you know, future female women supporting women. And I think that, you know, we like to pendulum and like polarize from one extreme to the other. And I think that it's really important that women are being heard. As you said, you know, women are raising children, they're building businesses, they're running marathons and they, they have been, it's, this is not a new thing. Mm. It's like now they have the mic, but we've still been doing these things. And obviously, you know, all the things that women have done for us to be able to vote, for us to be able to, you know, we're not there. I wouldn't, you know, we're not, it's not, equality is not a thing. We're not there, but we, you're right. It's it's shifting. Women are kind of taking these spaces and yeah, I think it's awesome. I think it kind of just shows, I'm a mother of a son as well. So I'm also like, you know, if women are going to fight for equality and all these things, like, as I said, we're polarizing, but I do think it's important to kind of look at where do we want to come to? What's the resolve? What are we aiming for with this? You know what I mean? Cause essentially I'm guessing people, the resolve that people want is equality, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, but I think it's good. It's good for me. It's a good time. It's a great time to be a woman. No, seriously, it is a great time to be a woman. I know there's still terrible things happening in the world and people are quite keen to talk about those things and complain about them and shout the loudest. 
which they're important things, but there's worse times to have been alive and be a woman. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm a black woman. I definitely think it would have been worse for me 500 years ago, mm. 200 years ago, 50 years ago. So yeah. Yeah. From listening to your, to your podcast, like everything is overwhelmingly positive. How important is it for you to share that positivity with other people? It's really important to me. And I don't know if you guys, if I've, either of you have ever seen my TEDx, have you seen it? I've not seen it. No. Okay. So I'll tell you about it. I think essentially people who know me, people who know me well, they understand why I'm so positive. They understand why I'm so optimistic, why I live with a sense of urgency and why I'm eternally yeah, in a good mood. And I think basically what happened was when I was pregnant with my son, so this was seven years ago, newly wed, so all good, very happy. I was performing at the time in a musical in the West End. I was a professional dancer. 23, life was good. Like I said, you know, newly wed, baby on the way, happy days. And um, one night after the show and I went to bed, unfortunately, just out of nowhere, my husband, who at the time was 29 years old, super healthy, super fit. He went to sleep and then he had a spontaneous brain hemorrhage and that caused him to have a seizure. He fell out of bed onto the floor. I basically jumped out of bed thinking, what is going on? You know, an hour before we were having a conversation um, and I'd never seen anybody have a seizure before in my entire life. So yeah, that was definitely life-changing. He then went into hospital, um, had more seizures, had all these tests and essentially after two weeks in the neurology ward, they figured out he'd had this bleed on the brain. So fast forward, you know, he came home, fast forward, you know, months of recovery, our son was born, Jude, and then my husband basically started taking medication for epilepsy and he, cause he developed epilepsy basically as a result of this brain hemorrhage, but he is still alive. He's still here. Thank God. And yeah, I mean, the next few years were really difficult trialing different medications. If you have epilepsy, you're unable to drive, you know, you can't really look after your child on, on your own in terms of like taking them swimming or bathing them in case, you know, you were to have a seizure. So, you know, it's very life limiting. And for somebody who you love, Love, like to watch him every single day taking different medications and going to bed at night and thinking oh god please don't let him have a seizure tonight you know it's like you just live with this sense of unease so anyway he now takes a medication which works it suits him which is he's stable and he hasn't had a seizure for three years so he's driving again he's playing sport he cycles he's doing everything you know he's got his mojo back and I think that you know, for some people, great. Like that's, that's amazing. For some people that isn't the case, you know, they live with conditions forever for years. You know, some children, adults, people live with a lot. And when you don't, and you wake up every day without pain and you wake up every day and you don't have to take medication and you wake up every day and you're like safe and you have like a home and food. Like it sounds so, you know, over the top when people are like, oh, gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. But I can't tell you what it feels like to, to be as grateful as I am because when you've been without it, like the whole world stopped spinning for me. Like I literally was a pregnant woman husband's had a brain hemorrhage I didn't know if he was going to live like seriously that's the reality so then now you're like the normal things mediocrity is underrated the things that you want to just like I said to know that I'm pain free I can lace up my trainers and I can go for a run like not everyone can do that Mm -hmm. and one day who knows you don't know this the future is so unpredictable and he was 29 so that's what it taught me and I thought you know what maybe one day I might not be able to run 10k or a marathon or run at all but today's not that day so let me go so I think yeah you know people are often like oh you're so optimistic all the time and I am and it's not a fake thing of like oh you've got to be in a good mood put a happy face it's not that but I think if you look at 
the alternative. If you look at the things you used to want that you now have, if you look at how some people live in the world, you'll realize that you've got a lot to be happy about every day, not just on holiday or just mm. on, you know what I mean? Like the highlights every day you've got highlights. I'm telling you. Yeah. The, the happiest people that I know, the people who are clearly enjoying their life the most are the people who are the most optimistic. And, mm. and I think that's, that's, happiness at the end of the day that's that's the game isn't it yeah. like it's not money it's not objects it's how you feel every day when you wake up i mean i think the people that have managed to master happiness like that's that's what i, I think that's what we're all searching yeah. for really isn't it and you've found a way to do that so that's amazing cycling back to um when you first started putting everything online was everything doing quick maths in my head was everything that happened with your husband was that the catalyst for you starting to be more social media and Um, start your own business kind of stuff well not really but I guess it all kind of plays a part right so it's a jigsaw I think you know my husband becoming ill is actually why I started running because I didn't used to run so as I said I was a dancer I was in a musical I didn't run ever didn't have running shoes Mm. um but basically I couldn't leave when Jude was a baby I couldn't leave him at home with Rob and go out to the gym or to a dance class or whatever but I just have always moved I've always danced I've always been active my whole life so I was like what can I do I can literally just go out the front door and be back in 15 minutes so that is literally why I started running so that was I guess um a catalyst for running but when it comes to my online thing I didn't start it as a business so I think when I started the blog I was still at home with Jude he was in nursery like one day or something a week and honestly my blog was so different then it was like here's me and Jude like making blueberry muffins here's me and Jude in the library like it was just literally like a dear diary of like a stay-at-home mum. and I just but then I because I was studying to be a PT I then was like, okay, let me start my mummy boot camp. And I started a boot camp for mums. I had 20 mums that came and I started putting things on there for them. So I'd be like, right, Friday fitness. So I'd put like, you know, um, uh, a recipe. And I kind of put, started saying to them, like, instead of sending me a message on Facebook, I'll just put it all on the blog. So that's really, you know, where it was at the time. You know, blogging was a thing, but it definitely wasn't what it is now where people, you know, they start their blog and they're like, I've got a plan. I've got a, like I said, a schedule. They've got like, I don't know, they've just, it's it's suddenly now starting a blog people seem to start like online magazines you know it's like Mm. you need a team whereas I just definitely um started off slow and it never had like one thing that was like you know went viral or took off I've never had that it's literally just been a slow increase like an exponential curve I don't think that's a bad thing I think um I think a lot of people when they do go viral a lot of people don't know how to handle it all of a sudden you get all of these people consuming your content that don't know your message yeah so they just judge you on this one piece and you get you get such varied from oh my god this is amazing i'm so glad i've discovered you to like you don't know what you're talking about whatever whatever and it's like it's such a mix because you just get this influx of people who have no kind of backstory yeah i think as well like a lot of people when they start stuff think okay i'm gonna make something and a million people are going to listen to this or mm. going to read this or it's going to hit all these people. Whereas not enough people think, actually, who are my audience? And let's just make something for them. Like, that sounds like exactly what you did. You had an audience of 20 mm. of these people and you're like, I'm just going to make content for them. Because it was obviously good, it grew and grew from there. Mm. So I think... Yeah, there's no loyalty with that viral hit. The people who are there, those 20, I bet the 20 people who were there in the beginning are still there now mm. because they've been on that journey with you. Mm-hmm. Whereas the people who just visit because you've had a, a, a video blow up or something, there's no loyalty. Mm. They're there, maybe they'll follow you, maybe they won't, but they don't have that connection to you. Yeah. 
Um, sure. Your podcast has been like more successful than than you imagined it would be. And a lot of that's been down to like the kind of the network of, of people that you have around you. Mm. How did you build such an amazing network of talented and creative mm-hmm. people? I've worked with lots of people in the last four years. So I guess, yeah, due to, you know, different jobs that I've done, uh, whether that's, you know, working with brands, whether that's just going to events. Like I can't tell you the amount of events I probably went to, say, two years ago for free when people would say, oh, but you've got to pay for the train. You've got to go into London. You've got to go to the event. You've got to do the thing. Like you get home late and sometimes, or or vice versa, if it was like a morning event, brands would often put on like these, you know, brunches and workouts and they'd invite fitness and wellness influencers. And I had a few friends that were just like, oh, I'm not going to go to that. Do you know what I mean? All the way in central London for a free pair of leggings and a brunch. They were like, forget it. Like, you know, it's not worth it. And I kind of was like, I get where they're coming from. You know, I do think, you know, there comes a point when you're building a business, when you're building a personal brand, when you need to say no, when you need to charge money, when you need all of that. However, I think there's huge benefit to being in the room, you know, to being in the room with people, to having real conversations with people, to remembering people's names, to kind of, you know, just having uh, a presence. And when you meet people, actually being interested in what they do. So I remember a perfect, perfect example of this is that I went to um, a workout event once, which was hosted in Common Garden. It was for Adidas. This was years ago. I wasn't an Adidas ambassador then. And there was loads of people there, like I'd say influencers and fitness and even fashion. And there was quite a few like bloggers and YouTubers and stuff. And then there was obviously the whole team, you know, there's the Adidas team, there's, you know, PR, there's loads of people. And Carly Kloss was there for this workout. She's a, for anyone who doesn't know, Carly Kloss is a global supermodel and she was there. And obviously there's a lot of press and excitement about the fact that Carly Kloss, it was like one of the first times that she'd done anything in the UK with Adidas. And people were just like, you know, mega excited, of course. But I feel like most people in the room were just like, I need to get near Carly. I need to get a photo with Carly for Instagram. I need to get a photo. I need to get Carly in my YouTube. It was just all about like, let's, you know, it was quite... Mm. intense it's quite stressful so at the time there was a pregnant lady there um i didn't know who she was but i kind of was like oh my gosh you're pregnant i love pregnant people i was like i've got a little boy like i think he was probably four probably got my phone out and started doing that thing where he's like look here's a picture of him look how cute he is so i started doing that talking to her anyway did the event event was great fun went home that was that i think like a month later she must have gone on maternity leave she had her baby um and she was doing a piece for stylist magazine and they wanted somebody who was fitness wellness they wanted i I can't really remember what exactly the brief was but she put my name forward i did the job jude was actually in it my son as well so we did this piece for stylist and you know it sounds silly because i know that it's just one that was just you know call it whatever you want it was just we met on the day we hit it off we chatted that was that but there was 20 other people in the room who had bigger audiences than me who had big youtube channels who had all of that stuff any of them could have been asked to do that job but i wasn't talking to the person in the room with the biggest instagram account i was talking to this yeah. pregnant woman because i was like oh my gosh like you're a human and i'm a human and we can have a conversation you know and i know that sounds so weird but i just think there's so much value in that like going to an event and speaking to someone's face to face and saying hi how are you what do you do or who you know how was your day how was your journey oh my gosh it's raining let's chat you talk to people and there's so much value in that so I think in answer to your question that's essentially what I do when I go to events when I go to shoots when I go to it's not that I network I don't intentionally network but I just chat I like to talk I like to you know I listen to a podcast that's talking about when you meet someone and they say like hi I'm Adrienne hi I'm Jodie then you actually say to them like hi Jodie nice to meet you you repeat their name it helps you to remember their name so obviously if you're in a busy event with like 50 people Mm -hmm. I've got better at learning people's names so now I don't forget and I think people 
appreciate that when you actually, 100%. do you know what I mean? Like when you see someone again and you're like, hi, Jodie, how are you? Like you're actually interested because there's nothing worse. We've all been there, right? When someone's talking to you and you can tell that they're just not interested. They're like looking yeah. around them and thinking, oh, who are you? Is this worth my time? Can I be bothered to talk to you? And you just stand there thinking, oh gosh, this is so awkward because they're just not invested in the, in the chat. They're just like, oh, this is, you know? So yeah, I think invest in the chat, kind of build your network in the sense that like, not just what can this person do for me or what can, how can this person elevate me or help me, but actually how can you help them, you know, mm-hmm. offer your skills to somebody, you know, say to them, Oh, you know what? I'd love to help you out with that. I might not know everything about it, but I'm happy to, you know, give you a hand with it or let me know if there's anyone I introduce people quite a lot. So I'll say to one friend, Oh my gosh, you should go to this thing. Like, Oh, this person would be great for that. She's amazing. Let me introduce you. Look at her Instagram. Look, and I'll send you an email and introduce you to her. And I think I do that quite a lot because you know we can all benefit from our you know like I said building a network you can all grow together you can all learn from each other you don't have to you know this like competitive there's not just one slot ever mm-hmm. there's always room so I just think if you think oh I've got to keep my cards close to my chest I can't you know share what I know or I can't it's the wrong way it's not about being on your ones it's about collaboration I think the more that you can collaborate the more that you can offer your skills to people give up your time for people if someone says to you can you I don't know like give me a quote for this thing or do an Instagram story for me like of course it's gonna take me of course we're all busy and I know there's days when you know you might forget and then you're like oh crap I'll do it later but generally if I can I'm gonna say yes I'm gonna come to your book launch I'm gonna you know retweet your thing whatever because it doesn't take any time so yeah I think that's how I've done it and I think now that as you said the support and the the podcast done really really well because I think yeah people have returned it and they're like sharing it for me and they're talking about it so yeah it's been good you know when you're kind of planning your podcast and you're like oh we'll have little clips that the guests say and we'll like release those little clips yeah like that was so many clips there. Like everything you were saying, I was like, oh my God, yes. Oh my God, yes. Yes, yes that's so true. Yes, that's so true. Yeah, all of that. Yeah. Sound bites. It's so true. Like networking is so fucking powerful. People don't understand social and, and internet and everything is all great and it's wicked and it's changing people's lives, which is amazing. The real shit happens when you actually meet people and you actually have a connection with yeah. them. Yeah. unbelievably for our business like that's that's changed so much for yeah, us yeah back to that Carly Kloss thing it's like people just want that little shortcut of thinking like if I'm going to get a picture of Carly Kloss that's just that's me mate mm. like, that's going to get me thousands of followers I'm just going to become this new but it's not that it's the fact and it that never you, does no. it's like there's there's no there's no such thing as a big break you're not all of a sudden going to meet some celebrity like it's it, I mean maybe it can happen yeah. but it's so rare yeah it's a it's a fool's errand really like just chasing those those mm. famous people to try and get a selfie with them like <laughs> yeah but I think what you were saying then about you know networking I think often what people will say is well that's fine for you Adrian because you are an extrovert you like to talk to people what about people who are introverted what about people who aren't you know super social and chatty but it's not about being you know the loudest person in the room it's not about being um, extroverted you know I know lots of introverted friends who are incredibly good at networking because as well it's like you don't, like I said, have to be the loudest in the room, but you have to be in the room, you know? So I think if you are somebody who struggles to go into like social environments and you don't, you know, people often say, well, I won't know anyone there. And that, you know, I went to a Google event 
like recently I didn't know anyone there but I was like it's a Google event there'll be somebody there that I know and usually you, you go and then you see some other bloggers or you see some people honestly for the first hour I don't think I saw anyone but I knew <laughs> I was just like okay I'm just gonna you know check out the stuff have a wander around whatever and I know for some people that is like their worst nightmare do you know what I mean they would feel so uncomfortable so I guess what I would say in that is kind of you know get in the room if you can you know do your thing you don't have to do it's not that you don't have to stand up and present to the whole room but just have meaningful one-to-one conversations kind of and I know this might sound silly to some people but think about what you want to say as well like I know someone said to me once she was going to a business networking thing and she was like I'm just going to practice what I'm going to say because then you're not thinking like you know what did I say or did I I don't know talk too much don't do that just kind of think before you go in like actually this is what I do. I do have something to offer. I do have experience and I'm just going to have a normal conversation, you know, don't Mm. overthink it too much. Yeah. I think if you're definitely, if you're trying to launch a creative career, like I read something interesting recently that was um, talking about introverts and extroverts. I'd probably lean more on the introvert side. And it said that extroverts get charged up by being around people. Um, Introverts get charged up by being on their own. And that hugely helped me because it's like, I'll take my alone time to charge up my battery. And it's like, okay, I'm charged. Now I can like, so I'll get myself psyched up, ready for whatever interaction is going to happen. It's like, okay, I've charged up. Now I go into the networking event or the whatever it might be. And then... I know that it's just a psychological thing, mm. but I know I've charged my battery, so I know I'm fine kind mm. of thing. I give myself the permission. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, you're fine because you charged up. I've heard that too. And equally afterwards, so you know that like if you've been in a big social environment, engagement, whatever, you need that time afterwards, as you said, by yourself to like recoup, recover. Like I have a friend, one of my best friends, she's the same. She's like, she goes to an event or a shoot or something all day. The next day she's like, I physically feel like almost hungover. It's like the mental, emotional, physical draining. Whereas as you said, I... I get my power from people. I love Mm. to be with people. I love to have people in my house. I love to go to, you know, I'm always the one who's like, I need to go. And then an hour later, I'm still there talking. (laughs) Or like when people come to my house, I'm like, just stay. Like, I honestly, I love being around people. So yeah, I think that must charge me up. When I'm on my own, I think that's why I listen to so many podcasts because then it's like, it's people in the room. (laughs) (laughs) The thing you said about names as well, I think someone told me many, many years ago has always stuck with me is that, someone's name is the most valuable thing that they own. Mm. So if you always remember that, just kind of respect their name is the most valuable thing that they own. So the the most you can do is just remember someone's name. Mm. So I always make an effort to remember their name at like at the beginning of the, I haven't tried doing the repeating it back to them. I'm going to give that a go. And that's a really good tip. But, um, but yeah, I just think. Yeah. I was listening to something that was um, talking about remembering people's names they gave an example of someone's like oh but I find it really hard to I just can't remember people's names and he was like well if I said to you the next person you meet I'm going to give you a million pounds <laughs> if you remember that person so you would remember that person's name mm. so it's not that you're incapable of it it's just that you'd find it easier not to so you could just tell yourself oh, oh I can't do that rather than actually making the effort to do it and actually you've done it a couple of times like as you were saying earlier mm. like you get good at it yeah and also that's why repeating it I think helps because you've yeah. said it out loud once also when someone has an unusual name that you might not know how to pronounce it's better to ask them can you say it again so like if I meet someone and they're like hi my name's whatever and I don't know what how to pronounce it I'll be, I'll be like sorry and when they say it again I say it back the way they said it not a different version so I have a Japanese friend she's called Miyako people are always like Miyako Miyako and she's like 
it's Miyako. Like, if you say it, I know you might be like, that's a word, a name I don't know. But as you said, it's like, come on. Like, you know, just try. And it always makes me, like, actually cross when people are like, oh, Miyako. I'm like, stop saying it in your, like, posh voice. That is not her name. It's not that difficult. It's Miyako. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> try with people's names guys come on <laughs> yeah i think the people that you meet will change your life i think it's it's so underrated especially like with social media culture now mm. and people wanting to get connected just in this like quick and easy way just m- making the effort to just go to like one networking event a week or something like that is just like so so valuable i know there's a, a tim ferris story when he was completely unknown so now he can't go anywhere he obviously gets mobbed mm-hmm. wherever he goes but um he was in the the bloggers lounge um at south by southwest yeah. and there was loads of influencers there who people were kind of clamoring around and he just spoke to the lady who was admitting everyone um and over like four or five days just built up this amazing relationship with her and she ended up being the wife of some sort of director anyway some really really influential person who um then blogged about four hour work week that was the catalyst to the book becoming successful was this one post from this one guy who he'd met through so you never know who you're speaking to and i think that the looking over the shoulder looking for someone more important really grinds my gears oh yeah me too like sometimes when i'm at networking it's like i just say oh i'm a writer or i just like really really downplay what I do to just mm. suss them out first before I start to talk about what we actually do do. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting though, isn't it? That people have that kind of snap, like they put people in a box. So my husband's mm. a teacher. He's a teacher at secondary school. And, you know, in different environments, different things that I've been to in the past, people, yeah, they're kind of like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. What do you do? Or who are you? Whatever. And he's like, oh, I'm here with Adrian. And if they get into a conversation, it's, yeah, they can tell they're kind of trying to figure out like, but what do you do? Who are you? Why are you here? Are you going to be, you know what I mean? It's like, do you yeah. have influence? Do you, are you important? Are you somebody I need to invest time in instead of just being like, I'm going to have a chat with you. And actually on the, what you were just saying then about online, even though it's, you know, super, super valuable in real life, I do think the online thing, what is it with these lurkers? I think it's also important to like, if you want to engage and you want social media to be social, engage. It doesn't take long. So like, if you like a post, if you comment, if you DM, whatever, that's what it's for. Whereas I feel like, what I mean by lurkers is like, you know, when you have like, say, however many thousand people that watch your Instagram stories, but then they don't like the post or people who, you know, watch your story every single day. Like you see that name, you see their face, we see you, but they never engage ever. But you know them in real life. It's just weird to me. I'm like, it's social media. So if you're going to watch like 20 stories a day, which is quite a lot, like I do a lot of stories in a day <laughs> and then just pretend like, oh, how have you, what have you been up to? Like, I haven't seen you for ages. How are you? And you're like, I know you know what I've been up to. You watch my stories every day. Stop being weird. Like stop lurking. Actually just either like it or don't. Like, do you know what I mean? Why do people do that? Do you I have that? Is that weird? <laughs> it was like, like, mm. I wonder if it's just something to do with the fact that to like us, it's our business. We use it as a social tool. Like we meet new people through it. Whereas to some people, it's just entertainment. It's the equivalent of like, instead of sitting watching a TV, you're just watching reality TV on your phone. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it's more of that. So they're not actually there to make a friend or make a connection, but, but it's someone you, they you, find you know or you've met before oh that's um... yeah do you know what I mean but equally on the other side of that is like I'm I'm probably the opposite I'm like oh my gosh how's your dog how was your holiday and they're like what like yeah I've watched your stories so I think yeah <laughs> but what I'm saying is you know in general like if you want to engage and build a community online as well as in real life that's how you do it you know mm. like I write comments on people's posts saying like oh my gosh this is amazing you go girl you look great and I write DMs to people saying whatever I don't know I just I engage both ways online in real life 
chat 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 yeah and i think that's that's your giving without expectation of yeah. anything in return yeah. that's why your podcast is a success because you've given suffer so long without any expectation and then everyone's like oh she's got a podcast out let me support that yeah. that's that's definitely why you kind of reposted about the podcast like because yeah yeah thanks um, guys yeah. Yeah, you're welcome <laughs> dream team it, it totally works um how was school for you oh my gosh so wow oh let's take it back how was school for me school was something that at the time I just felt like I had to do like you have to go I don't think I particularly engaged or enjoyed school I was in I went to school up north in Leeds I was I want to say like oh I was bullied like isn't everyone bullied isn't that just like a thing do you know what I mean like I feel like everyone now is like I was bullied at school it's like yeah we're all bullied at school kids kids are mean (laughs) kids are mean mean. so I had a monobrow um certain a certain group of boys used to say that I looked like a boy and I looked like a man and they used to call me Will Smith so that was great for my self-confidence as a (laughs) 13 year old girl um i spoke about this recently actually because um a panel event because you know i i guess i've always had like the same look that i have now so i've always had an athletic body type i'm mixed race you know i think now there's suddenly this you know trend beauty standards are changing and it's like we see women with muscles we see women with curves we see all these things and different things are celebrated at different times so now it's like a trend for like you know, muscly women or like strong is the new skinny. And like, suddenly it's acceptable for my body to be like on trend, but this is the body I've always had. This is the body I had when I was 12 and it wasn't then cool. Then it was like about skinny, tall, white, skinny. So this is a little bit off, but I just feel like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I hope that women now, like what's the next trend going to be? You know, you can't change your DNA. You can't change your body to fit a beauty standard. So I think at the time, yeah, I didn't fit the the traditional beauty standard. I was, yeah, mixed race, very athletic body, which I've always had. And yeah, got called a boy quite a lot, which was, you know, interesting. Had to navigate that. I think I've developed quite thick skin. Um, I've got to, I had my younger brother and sister at school with me as well. And I think I quite felt quite protective of them. I guess I just got on really. I, I had friends in school, don't get me wrong. I had some really good friends who I'm still friends with now. And uh, I guess I got on all right with most of my subjects. You know, I didn't really kind of go into school with like, a, I'm going to work really, really hard. If I'm honest, I, I'm a September birthday. So I was one of the oldest. I think if you're one of the oldest in primary school, you get ahead a little bit because mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean? You pick things up quicker. Yeah. That then gives you confidence and makes you think that you're maybe bright. So then you go into secondary school thinking, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pretty smart, whatever. So I kind of did the bare minimum and still came out with decent grades, which I think I was very fortunate to do. Whereas I had friends who would, you know, work really hard and study really hard and they didn't get as good results as me. And then equally opposite to that, like my younger sister, she's super academic, super committed in the library, you know, doing the research, doing the work. And she's like, super overachieving like brain so you know degrees masters all of that so yeah I think in a nutshell school was just an experience that I just went through and kind of thought this isn't something I'll do forever when can I leave I just I don't know I didn't really feel like I was getting anything out of it that I needed for my future which is so weird when most people are at school like what am I going to do with my life whereas I was just at school being like I'll, I'll do what I want to do when I leave here like I'm not going to do it I'm not going to get it from this place what would you say to that younger version of you now Oh my gosh, so many things. I would say it's that younger version. I would say you're right about how you feel, like about certain things, like, you know, 
not worrying about your history coursework or whatever because I was always just like you know what this isn't serving me like the school system is so oh gosh I think it's fundamentally broken mm. so many ways it's not serving people for the future it's not preparing people for real life so yeah it's probably gonna be like going back and say to myself you're right <laughs> I'd also say don't dilute yourself and don't dim your light and don't try and change because I think as I got older like later in my teens I definitely started to try and change myself I tried, started to dilute myself and be less loud or less chatty or less whatever because people don't like it you know like they I, I don't know things stick with you and I was called a show off or you're too you talk too much or whatever so I think I went through a period of like oh I've got to change I've got to be chill like I've got to be you know aloof I've got to not talk so much whatever but you can't do it you can't fake it for long do you know what I mean mm. like if you're tall you can't be short if you're loud you can't be quiet you can't do it for long so I'd just say don't dilute yourself be proud of who you are be yourself and just stick I guess just stick at it like no what does anyone have a good time at school like surely I just feel like school is so brutal don't you think it's like a weird time when you've got like sports and you like fancy people and it's just awful man <laughs> like thinking back I'm like school is just savage so yeah I mean most people probably some people probably had a better experience than me but that's my experience I felt most like of the people that we talk to have had a very similar experience really that's yeah, interesting as in they, they knew this was not for them they knew like yeah they knew that being put into these boxes was not yeah it just just felt off somehow yeah, yeah and it, I think it's only when you get a little bit older that you can kind of look back and go yeah it really was off and mm. now I can be myself and fully be myself and not not worrying about it. And find your people. Because obviously at school, you're literally like, this yeah. is the register, sit next to that person. Like, yeah, that's was, it. When would you be with the same people every day? I was talking to someone about this the other day. As soon as you leave school, leave uni and kind of go out into the real world, that's your first real chance in life to pick who your friends are. Yeah. Like at school, uni, everywhere else, you kind of get thrown together with yeah. a bunch of people and you've got a small bunch of people to pick from. And you're like, well, who's the most similar to me? Uh, you guys. But yeah. That's like out of a class of 30 or say a year of 150 or whatever. Whereas yeah. like in London, you're like, well, well, what do I actually like? Who do I actually want to be friends with? And yeah. you've got like 7 million people to pick from. Yeah. So I think, yeah, since you hit that real life, it's like, oh, well, I can pick my own friends now. This is yeah. great. Right, I'm going to turn the tables on you. What has time taught you? Oh, love So that's that. the question you always ask on your podcast. That is the question I ask. I mean, I feel like I've touched on it already today, talking about the experience that my husband had and how that changed my outlook on the world. So time has taught me that your life will be unpredictable. Um, you don't need to fear it. You don't need to be afraid of it. You should embrace it. It's exciting. There's a lot of opportunities. You don't want to miss them. You don't want to put them off because when you're older, you'll do it. Or when you have more money, you'll do it. Or when your kids grow up, you'll do it. Because one day might never come. And in the most optimistic way, you need to date that stuff. You need to date. When is one day? One day I'm going to write a book. When? One day I'm going to go to Australia. When? Give your list, your list of dreams, your list of goals, dates, and then work out a plan to make them happen. Because that's the only way that you'll ever get to do half of the things on your list if you've got a long list like me. So yeah, time has taught me to get a move on, go after things and um, live with urgency. Live with urgency, absolutely, yeah. I think um, putting the putting a time limit on your goals, like that transfers them, that makes them real, that makes them from being dreams, turning them into actual goals because 
people let themselves off the hook by going oh yeah like one day or or yeah. in a few years I'll be a millionaire and then it never comes and it will never come if you say to yourself I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm x then you've got a goal you can then work back the stages and work out how I get to that don't know why I chose millionaire because that's not that's not one of my goals <laughs> it's, not, it's goal. not something yeah. that, I, that I particularly resonate with or, or anything like that um money's definitely not a driver for me but yeah I think having that Putting that tangible kind of time on your goals is really, really super important. Yeah. And the work back process that you said, I, I said this to somebody recently. I was listening, I don't know why it came to me, but I was listening to an interview with Richard Branson, random. And um, he was, I guess, like telling the steps of like going back. Tell us, how did you, you know, whatever. So he's going back. And I thought, you know what, if you could have a conversation with your future self, so say, for example, when you're 50 and someone goes, how did you do what you did? How did you start this empire business book, whatever? And you have to tell them the steps, write those steps down and then do them. You know what I mean? Mm. Well, first I had to do this. Then I met this guy and I asked him to do this. Then I, then I wrote this and sent it to 25 different editors before some do that. You know what I mean? Like it sounds obvious, but it's like reverse it. Do the steps. Yeah. You have a plan. Have a plan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wicked. Get okay. busy, gang. So no where rest. can these um, guys find you online? You can find me online on Instagram. It's Adrienne underscore LDN for London. And you can find me on adriennelondon.com or the Power Hour podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Thanks for listening. We're trying to help a lot of people with this show. So we need your help to grow the community and spread our message. If you know someone who'd benefit from hearing what we talked about today, or they just need a little nudge in the right direction, pass this podcast on to them. If you want to hear more, then subscribe to us on iTunes. And if we helped you with anything, we'll really love you forever if you can leave us an iTunes review. It makes a huge difference. See ya.